before we dive in here, you know, we've all seen the MasterCard commercials. Uh, one that I saw this week, the elephant goes into town for his sick master and buys a bowl of soup, $4. Cough medicine, $7. Tissues, $1. Blanket, $24. Making it all better, priceless. Right? We've all seen those commercials, and they go through and they give monetary or they give items and they try and assign a value to them but in the end the feeling that you get or that that it, uh, that that making it all better that's without value it's priceless because of the transactions that you and I make every day we are very accustomed in our this consumer culture right we're very accustomed to assigning value to everything in the home that I grew up in there were times when I know this would be a shock for you but there were times when my dad was a little frustrated with me for breaking something. Or uh, I remember there was a time, and I swear up and down this was my older brother, but our neighbor came over, and this was, uh, our neighbor was uh, not, not Lodge, it was Mrs. Aiken. Mrs. Aiken was our neighbor. And man, you didn't like step foot on her lawn. Much less like my older brother did when we're playing army out in the backyard, go and lay down in her flower bed. Yeah, bad idea. Now that I'm a homeowner, now that I'm married and I'm a homeowner, the way that I take care of things around my home, I understand more the value of hard work that goes into making something look nice, and I'm sure you do too. And in our culture, we're very accustomed, whether it be you know that, that uh, car that you've got in the garage that you're working on, that you can only imagine what it would be like to get a dent in the side of, or whether it be um, maybe that pie that you've baked and made, and then somebody comes and sticks their finger in it. We're very accustomed to assigning value to things. But I wanted to ask you this question this morning. What is the value of one soul? What is the value of a soul? Look with me here in Matthew chapter 16. The Word of God says in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to be able to meet here to open your word. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. I pray that you'd help us to see better how you value souls. And I know, God, that my heart, that, that as I think about the witnessing, the evangelism that I've done, the missions in my own street that I've done this year, it's not been what it ought to be. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would give me a passion for souls and help me to see the value of everybody that I'm around, that I, that I live with. And uh, Lord, help us to be better stewards of our time and to walk with you. We ask, Lord, this morning for our pastor. I pray that you'd bless him and encourage him, help him as he opens the word there in Kansas and, and challenges the people. I pray that you would speak to their hearts and uh, continue to give him safe travel. We thank you for all that you've uh, blessed him with and, and what you're doing here in this place. Lord, we ask for your help this morning in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, um, I want us to take a few moments. Now, I heard uh, for teenagers, you got OGTs coming up this week. All right, so we're gonna, I'm going to help you to put your thinking caps on. I'm going to get you guys ready for these OGTs, these tests that you have coming up. So we're going to spend about 5, 10 minutes looking at um, some very interesting things about the makeup of your being, the way that God has made you. Um, so in, in, in our day, there's a lot of confusion about 
your spirit and your soul. Um, I enjoy, uh, thoroughly enjoy watching uh, The Dog Whisperer. How many of you are Dog Whisperer fans in here? All right, got a dog, Dog Whisperer. He's the, he's the man. But he has some really weird ideas about energy and the cosmos and all that. And you see that in his show. It's just really weird. Um, so I go there for my dog training, not my theology. But uh, this morning, we're ex- going to examine quickly... And in many of the verses in your handout, I wanted you to have a handout because we needed to cover these verses because it, it, we do want to look, obviously, at what the Bible says and how it explains our spirit, soul, and body. Um, now, what's so cool is because the emphasis placed by our pastor in a ministry like this where it's the, the Word of God is the authority for what we do and you get it week after week, um, the teaching, what we're going to look here, it's not going to need much explanation. We're going to look at the verses but it won't need me to explain it much. Um, and I think you even noticed with our missionary last week that um, you know he was one of the experts. And I think that the most of you guys, you were familiar with most of what he talked about. And that's so cool to see you know the foundation of, of the Word of God that you already get here. And uh, so, you know, praise the Lord for the opportunity to, to be in a ministry like this. Now, let's start here. Introduction: Man is a trichotomy. All right, I think I just made one of the teenagers' eyes bleed. All right. Man is a trichotomy. Trichotomy. Michael had his ACT a few weeks ago, so we'll see if we can spring this one on him. Michael, the word tri, what does that insinuate? What does that mean? Three, man, you're very good. All right. We are, man, we are going to, you're going to, now do you, you don't have to take OGTs this week, do you? You, you passed them all, so you get to sleep in a couple of days this week. Very nice. All right. So man is a trichotomy. If as opposed to being a dichotomy, a dichotomy, there are many people or many philosophies that teach that your spirit and soul are, are one and the same. And they're not, we're going to see that from the word of God. So man is a trichotomy. First Thessalonians five twenty three. Look at this. The Bible says in the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So obviously there, Paul is insinuating that there is a difference between your spirit, your soul, and your body. And he's praying that God would preserve all of that until the day that he comes. Hebrews 4.12 then says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So sharp it's piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, all right, our flesh, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God can cut and separate our spirit and soul in our body. So he, the Word of God identifies those properties in the makeup of your being. If you remember, and I, it might be uh, later on, but in, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image. God is three in one, right? You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those three are co-eternal co-equal and coexistent with one another and god is one god three persons and and that's the way that he has um, created us in his image we are spirit soul and body now in your body man has five senses five senses all right and anthony wants you come up here real quick in our body we have five senses and anthony this morning he is very familiar with his five senses right he's about to become even more familiar with them just making sure you guys, all I'm doing this week is making sure you guys are ready for OGTs, all right? So you're ready to take your test. Now, one of your senses would be touching, right? So when you touch, you know, your face and your hair. Oh, wait, oh sorry, man, you did that hair this morning. All right, you got, you, you have a sense of touching, right? You can feel. You got a sense of touching. And then how many fingers am I holding up? Three. 
Or? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have a sense of sight, right? And then, uh, let me see here. No, I'm not going to do that to you. But what's another sense that you have? Common sense. Okay, no, that doesn't count. What's that? Smell. Smell. You can smell. Like when mama's making something good. I would ask you what something good maybe your, your mom's made lately, but I'm not going to put you on the spot like that. So you have smell and you have touch. You can see. What's another one? Hearing. hearing. And you need your hearing, right? Because you play trumpet. He plays trumpet in the band. So that's always a good um, sense to have, unless you're the parent of the one that's playing trumpet. Then you wish you didn't have your sense of hearing, right? So you've got hearing, smelling, touching, seeing, and what am I leaving out? OGTs, man. We're going for the OGTs. Tasting. Tasting. Yes, you are going to do awesome this week. All right, you can be seated. Let's give Anthony a hand. He's too good. All right. Tasting. In your body, you have five senses. We just went through those. So you have tasting, touching or feeling, uh, hearing, seeing, and smelling. Those are your five senses. Then man has a soul. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So man has a soul. Your soul is your intellect, your emotion, and your will. I don't think I gave that to you, but if you want to write that down. Your, your soul is your intellect, your emotion, and your will. You and I have been created with a free choice. We make decisions every day. And there are decisions where you may listen to a certain song and your wife hates it. Why? Because in her soul, her personality, her intellect, emotion, and will, they're just different from yours. And uh, there may be a decision that you like this certain type of, um, um, I'd say dress, but that's based more on scene. But, but within our soul, we have our intellect our emotion and our will. When God says that uh, if thou believest with all thine heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, God, that God has raised him from the dead, I'm not trusting God with my physical beating heart and the blood that's pumping through my arteries, not my body, but with my soul. And so within our soul, we have our intellect, our emotion, and our will. Well, most of us have the intellect part down. But those are in your soul. And then man has a spirit. Romans 8.16 says, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So man, throughout the scriptures, you find man is a spirit, soul, and body. Now here's the problem. And since Adam, all of us are born spiritually dead. That's our problem. In Genesis 2.17, God had told Adam, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, let me ask you, did Adam and Eve eat of the fruit? Did Adam keel over dead? No. How did he die? Spirit, soul, or body? Spiritually, he died. And so he was walking around, a soul within a, a body, that, that body began to see corruption. And so Adam, in that day, died spiritually. And by the Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so understand that this morning. The way that you and I are born, we are born a live soul, a live body, dead spirit. And that's why you know, uh, you've heard the, the, the phrase over and over again, If you are born once, you'll die twice. If you are born twice, you only die one time. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let, let's look at it. Uh, the Bible says that, the, um, that all of us have sinned. In, in Romans 6.23, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
there is a payment, there is a penalty for our sin, and that is death. And that death is not just a physical death, but it is an eternal separation from God forever in hell. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you look at the passage, Nicodemus looks at Jesus and he's thinking physical birth. And he's going, I love love Brother Dave. I'll never forget, man. He's preaching on this text and he's just going, he's looking at Jesus going, and he's, And Jesus says, clears it up for him in verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus wasn't saying you need to be physically born again. He was saying your spirit is dead and you must be born again spiritually. How are we born spiritually? By the spirit of God. And at the moment that we trust Christ as our personal savior, not the moment that we fill out a card for a church membership, Not the moment that we put enough money in an offering plate. Not the moment that we go to a pastor and say, Pastor, I've done some really bad things. Will you help God forgive me? No, 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 that's not it. When you, by faith, place your trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, trusting nothing else but what He has done for you, at that moment, the Spirit of God places you into the body of Christ and you're born again. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam, speaking here of Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So there, the authority of Jesus Christ to make us alive in Him when we trust Him as our Savior. So when the Bible said, we're going to look this morning at what shall it profit a man if a man lose his soul? And I wanted uh, us to be reminded and familiar with those verses that the Bible does teach that we have a spirit, soul, and body. We are born Live soul, live body, dead spirit that needs to be born again by Jesus Christ. Now, look with me at number one. We're going to look at the value of a soul. Number one, the value of a soul is miscalculated by the world. What is is a soul worth? Well, it's miscalculated by this world. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 16, he says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? If he shall gain the whole world... Now, letter A, you've got man's innate desire for self-preservation. For what is a man profited? You and I have an innate desire for self-preservation. What do I mean by that? You don't like pain. I'm really working to get fit. Yeah, but you don't like the pain. I found out that I don't like pain, and I can't take the sight of blood. I have come to that conclusion. I passed out one time when I was a teenager. I cut my head open with a saw, which was great. With a pruning saw, I was up in the tree, and I pulled the thing. It was a pruning saw, and it fell out of my hand, hit me on the head. And I had come this close to joking with my dad because we had pulled it out of his garage. It was kind of all rusty, old-looking blade. And I almost told him, this thing's not going to cut anything. Well, it cut my head. And I was fine. I was bleeding all over my brother's white shorts, which is awesome. (laughs) Bleeding all over my brother's white shorts. And I go running in, and I was fine. I was bleeding all over. I was fine until I saw the gash in my head. And i got to be careful telling these stories. Oh, I'll pass out again. But, but my mom, we're in the kitchen. I'm six foot three as a, like, you know, a sophomore in high school. And I'm about passing out in the kitchen. My mom's shoving me up against our cupboards. You know? It was bad. And I've come to the conclusion. I took a computer apart. was putting some new RAM in it, new parts in it the other day. And Jacob was with me. And I was showing him all the parts inside the computer. 
And it dawned on me the very next morning. You know, as an engineer, or with an engineer kind of mind, I love, like, taking things apart. But I'm like, you know what? Doctors look at people the way I look at a computer. They have to. Like, you have to be able to open somebody up and, like, be putting parts around and just look at that. Like, oh, it's a computer, you know. I mean, I, I don't understand it. I could never do it. Don't ask me, right? which you're not going to ask me anyway. But, man, you don't like pain. I don't like the sight of blood. And man's, we have an innate, an innate desire for self-preservation. What has been amazing politically, as you see, you know, when, when America, as we used to have the Cold War with Russia, well, neither of us blew each other up because we have a, a vested interest in our own survival. The danger that we fi- have faced now with a, a country like Iran or the leadership within Iran is that those guys think that they can all blow themselves up and bring in the 12th Imam. They can bring in the Messiah by doing that. They don't have the vested interest that Russia did in preserving their own lives. And so, so we, and that's how, how whacked out that religion is and how whacked out their understanding of, uh, or their belief is. So you and I, we have an innate desire for self-preservation. Um, and none of us like that pain. So he says, he, God shows us that and says, what is a man profited knowing that, that we have a desire for that? But then if he gained the whole world, let her be man's innate desire for self-gratification. Man's innate desire for self-gratification. Let me ask you this morning, because this is going to be different for every one of us. How much money would you have to have right now, today, to be set? I mean, like debts paid off. I mean, how much money would it take to clear up, you know, the debt that you got and then just to be set? You know, all of us would like that. And I'm sure, you know, I know that I've talked with Sean before. I'm like, we're looking at different things that we've got. And I'm like, you know, if we just had X amount of dollars, man, this would be great, right? And, and we, we all live in, in, with, those, uh, with that understanding, that we have a desire for self-gratification. God says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world? Well, notice the miscalculation of the world. First John 2 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. If you could gain the whole world, this is what you could get. This is what the whole world has to offer. The lust of the flesh. That is everything that I can do. Everything that I could do. Man, you could ride a four-wheeler. You could perish. You could jump out of a plane. You could build a multi-million dollar industry. You can do this and do that. And this is what you can do. That's what the world has to offer you. Then the lust of the eyes. That's all that I can have. You could have a Caribbean cruise. You could have your own yacht. You could have your own muscle car. You could have this, whatever it is, you list it. The world can offer you that. And then the pride of life. It's all that I can be in the army. That's all that you can be. I could be an astronaut. I could be a leader of a country. I could be student president. I could be a sophomore that passes his OGTs, you know. I can be this. I can be that. That's what this world, when you look at, if you could gain the whole world, if you... If it were possible for you to own everything in this entire planet, you could be the leader of it, you could own every ounce of soil, and then you could do whatever you wanted to do on it. That's it. That's it. And that's going to pass away. 
So the world says, hey, come and be this. Hey, come and do this. Oh, don't get saved right now. I mean, there's some things that you need to do first. Or, man, if you accept Jesus, man, all those Christians, they're all poor and they're all giving their money away to missionaries and stuff. I mean, you don't want to do that. You can have this. And the world says, don't get saved yet. Maybe you can do that later. Letter C, man's inability for self-salvation. I just kind of made this one up here. Man's self-salvation. He says in verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Lose his own soul. You know, obviously this is a rhetorical question, right? But God is showing us that it is possible for a person to lose their soul. Now, a lot of you are thinking, yeah, man, his name's a politician, right? I heard this week that uh, because of the intense cold and freezing temperatures and all the snow that they've had in Washington, D.C., I've heard that the politicians now are actually keeping their hands in their own pockets. So, <laughs> Man's inability for self-salvation. Matthew ten twenty eight says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, for those of you that might be thinking, well, you just like cease to exist. God just destroys you in hell. No. Jesus spoke about hell and three times in Mark chapter 9. He says, described it as, it's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And we're not going to take the time to look there this morning, but he says, if your hand offends you, if, if, if there's something with your hand that would keep you from going to heaven and would get you to go to hell, cut your hand off. He says, if there's something with your eyes, if he says, if your eyes offend thee, pluck them out. For it's better to go into heaven and to be with the Lord than to go into hell with two eyes. So there is a very real presence of a body and a soul in hell, but it's with a dead spirit, separated from Christ forever, in a place where he says, the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. So there is a very real hell, a very real place where people are today that made some kind of gamble. And they said, oh, I'm not going to get saved yet. Or maybe they just said, no, I don't want, I don't want Jesus. I, 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 or maybe I can't believe in that stuff. I had, within the last uh, 6 to 12 months, there was a man that I had worked with. And uh, I was with some, some guys, and we were eating at a certain restaurant. And uh, it got on to some spiritual things. And he threw out, he said, you know, I'm going to be one of those deathbed conversions. And this guy lived a pretty wild life. And, you know, I just... I was sitting across the table from him and said, man, you, you can't know. You can't know if you're going to get a, a deathbed conversion. And, and, you know, the Bible says in James, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And he said, well, you know, that, that's risk I'm willing to take. That's a gamble I'm going to take. Well, coming out of a bar last year, he was struck and killed by a, by a car walking out of a bar. He didn't get his chance at a deathbed conversion. And, man... That's a gamble that he took and he lost. And I guarantee you, if he could stand before us here today, he'd say, I lost my soul. That was not worth it. It wasn't worth some stupid gamble. It wasn't worth some amount of fleeting pleasure that I had in my life. It wasn't worth it. Man's inability for self-salvation. You can't save yourself. You don't have enough money to pay to buy God off. You, you can't come to church enough to to have your own sins taken away. The, the miscalculation of the world, you could own it all and it's still not save your soul. Then um, 
Number two, the value of a soul is underestimated by all people. The value of a soul is underestimated by all people. Notice that he says in our text, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I mentioned a moment ago, God can't be bought. God, what could I give you? What could I exchange? What, what, could we, uh, what kind of transaction could I come up with with God that I might be able to save my soul? Well, this is underestimated by all people. Notice with me, let's look in Psalm 49. I do Hold your place in Matthew. We, we've got to look here, though, in Psalm 49. It's underestimated by the rich and the poor. Have you ever known a rich guy that's a jerk? Did the money make him a jerk? Well, have you ever known a poor person that's a jerk? I have. <laughs> it's not the money. It's the love of money, right? Is the root of all evil is what the Word of God says. So there's no sin in being rich. It's just entrusting those riches. Psalm 49 here gives us an, an amazing picture. This is an amazing uh, picture here that ties in with Matthew. In Psalm 49, he says, Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. Look at verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that the wise man die, likewise the foolish and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought, you said there's thinking, what was this guy thinking? Well, he tells you, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. You ever known a town that's named after somebody? The Bible's describing this to the T for us. Nevertheless, verse 12, man being in honor abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. So you have people that think, man, this will continue forever, and they trust in those riches. They trust in what they have. And in a moment, it's all over. It's all over. Look also with me in Luke chapter 18. Not only the rich and the poor, but also the religious. The religious underestimate the value of a soul. In Luke chapter 18, our Lord here is giving us a, uh, some uh, amazing teachings, giving us this parable. And in Luke chapter 18, uh, we're going to look in verse number 10. Jesus says, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Okay, so one's a Pharisee. He's a religious guy. He probably knows the law, is very well acquainted with it. And this other guy, he's a tax cheat. He's a, uh, I can name a few people in the federal government right now, but we're not going to. (laughs) He is a publican. This wicked dude. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God... I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this publican. I fast. I fast twice in the week. Give tithes of all that I possess. What a self-righteous, as Brother Dave would say, pious gas bag, right? This guy is full of himself. He's looking at all the stuff that he does religiously. And notice, who is he praying to? Himself. He prayed thus with himself, because God's not going to hear that prayer. But notice what the publican, this dirty, wicked sinner, he comes to God and notice his, notice his attitude. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
crying out for the mercy and the grace of God, knowing that there's nothing that he could do to be righteous before a holy God. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I thought in looking at this message, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In our community and in our culture, it's not so much that people give up their soul for money, that they reject Christ to give up monetary wealth, though that does happen. But what happens in our culture is that people, they won't give up the acceptance of their family. They won't give up that if they trust Christ and they go with what the Word of God says, that it goes against what grandma and grandpa taught, that what they have held to for traditions and generations and generations, and they, they underestimate the value of, of what they believe, and they, they think, this can make me right with God, and it will not save them. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Can he give his, his pedigree? Can he give the, a, a church doctrine? Can he give what Mima and Peepaw taught? And listen, man, I love my grandfather-in-law and my grandmother-in-law. It is so neat. Uh, my, my grandparents, uh, my biological grandparents, they passed away already, and I can't spend time with them. I love spending time with my grandparents. But if my grandparents or my family believed something other than salvation alone is found in the finished work of Christ and Him alone and faith in Him. I would need to give that up to trust Christ. So the value of a soul, it's, it's miscalculated by the world. It's underestimated by all people. But then look, third, the value of a soul is evaluated by God. The value of a soul is evaluated by God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, when God looks at our souls, the souls of men, though we are wicked and have sinned against Him, we are at enmity with Him, because of Jesus Christ shedding His perfect and sinless blood on the cross, taking your sin on Him, he sees you as if you had he sees you as if you were him if you've accepted him as your savior. Romans 8:32 says, "He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things?" 1 Peter 1:18 says, "For as much as you know that you were dream, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers." He goes on there to say, "But with the precious blood of Christ, your soul is so highly valued by God that He was willing, if you had been the only sinner on the planet, if all of us had been perfect and you were the only sinner, Jesus Christ still would have come and been born of a virgin and lived that perfect and sinless life. He would have still allowed the soldiers to put a bag over His head and take a reed and smote Him on the face and say, if you're a prophet, who hit you? They still would have, he still would have allowed them to take the crown of thorns and jam it down on his head and say, if you're a king, deliver yourself. He still would have allowed the Romans to nail his hands to a cross and his feet to a cross. But as he hung there and the blood coming down and they had already beaten him with a cat of nine tails and he, he hung there gasping for breath and saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He would have still done all of that for you. That's how much he values your soul. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want one soul on this planet 
to go to hell. And you know, we're going to have missionaries in this, this, this month, and we're going to hear about people in Africa and the Middle East, and we've heard about the Jews, and man, God loves all of these people. And God loves the people on your street. He loves your neighbors. He loves the grouchy old woman that's next to you when your kid's laying their flower bed and she comes over, why are you laying your kid God loves her. The worth of every man is found in the cost of the blood that Christ shed on the cross. How do we look at souls? How do we value them? I mean, I know in, in looking at this, I know I haven't valued them the way that I should. You know, I've been too busy or I've been too caught up in my own stuff. But none of that can redeem my brother. None of that can redeem the guy across the street. The only thing that can is giving him the gospel and telling him about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you in here this morning, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Can I tell you, you don't have anything to offer God. But Jesus Christ does. He shed his blood for you. And if you have never placed your trust personally in Christ, I'm not talking about your mom or your dad or your grandma or grandpa. I'm talking about you. If you have never come to the place where you by faith have understood that you are a sinner separated from a holy God and that there is nothing that you can do to save yourself but that Jesus Christ loves you and He died on the cross to pay for your sins and then rose again the third day, if you've never made that decision to trust Him, you need to make that decision this morning before it is eternally too late. Matthew chapter 16 again. Let's close with the verse. Matthew chapter 16. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and for...